Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome everyone to the Joan Hamburg Show and perfect timing for the good doctor, Dr. Michael Osterham, who's director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy, a professor, work with the president, one of our leading authorities when it comes to this. And Dr. Osterholm, this morning, you couldn't miss a paper without the story about the dread virus on the front page. Are we about to enter the fifth wave of this thing, just as mandates are lifted? Well, you know, Joan, we don't know. Uh, what's happening is there is one of the subvariants of Omicron, or one of the viruses that evolved out of the original Omicron virus, BA2, has been shown in some countries in Europe to be more infectious and causing uh, what appears to be a burst in cases. On the other hand, there's at least 15 countries in Europe where case numbers are going up also, but BA2 is not. And so it really remains a question as to just how much BA2 is contributing to increased transmission or not. So I wish I could give you a better answer to say other than this is a stay-tuned moment. And uh, I think the bottom line message is that this virus is not done with us yet. And whether it's BA2 or it's one of the other new variants that are going to emerge in the future, uh, we've got to be mindful that just because we're done with this virus doesn't mean it's done with us. But then... As we're waiting to see what's going to happen, what do we do? People are so relieved in our city. They think it's over. Restaurants well, you know, are packed. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, it's kind of a deja vu all over moment again. Remember, it was a year ago right now that uh, the big January peak that occurred in 2021 uh, was very rapidly decreasing and in addition, we had vaccines flowing. And so people just assumed that, you know, this was over with and done. And there were some of us out here, myself, uh, one of them, who said, wait a minute, hold on. You know, this, this virus isn't done with us yet. In the darkest days of the pandemic can still be ahead of us. And I said that based on what I saw was these evolving variants, these, these mutated viruses that were basically either more infectious, more likely to cause serious illness, uh, or evade the immune protection of previous infections or an ultimately vaccine. Well, you saw what happened. Delta and Omicron right. showed up over the course of the next months. And, you know, we don't know what the next variant's going to be. I can hope that we're done with all the severe waves, but as we know, hope is not a strategy. So we've got to be better prepared to, uh, you know, if in fact we see a new variant arise that is challenging the immune protection of our vaccines, um, and even having been previously infected, we just need to look at that carefully. I would say I do not believe that the public will tolerate any more lockdowns or major restrictions. And that's exactly why many of the uh, mandates were lifted this past spring. It had nothing to do with the public health recommendations. It had to do with governors reading the tea leaves, 
saying right. public's not going to take them anymore. We're not going to do them. So I don't I don't think even if we see a big increase in cases, we're going to see a return to the days of some kind of mandates. Well, you know, I was inside a restaurant for the first time in years and it was packed and no one walked in with a mask. And I said to the people at our table, you know, we really should put masks on this place as a super spreader before we eat. And, you know, the general consensus was, I don't care. I don't care too much. No yeah. more masks. No more this. And I have a 10-year-old who wants to go to theater. And I'm looking at all these numbers and theater again is starting to have actors by the sidelines now because they're getting it all mm-hmm. over again. We don't know what to do. Do we take kids into these circumstances? Well, you know, first of all, the good news is, and I think there is some good news, is that despite the fact that these cases occurring, as you just described, and of course, we're all following with some interest, the super spreading event that just occurred at the gridiron uh, dinner that was held last Saturday night in Washington, D.C., where there clearly have been a number of cases of, you know, prominent politicians and government officials and media at that. I think the message that's good is, is that uh, with having had at least three doses of vaccine and now considering for those who are older, immune compromised, four doses of vaccine, the severity of the illness, the likelihood of being hospitalized, the likelihood of dying is much, much lower. And so for many who are getting infected, it's a couple uncomfortable days, but it's not at the same level of risk that we saw in previous uh, waves of this disease where people were dying. So, you know, I, I think this really speaks to why you still want to get vaccinated. You know, even if this vaccine is not going to prevent me from getting infected, if it can keep me out of the hospital, keep me from having severe illness and I don't die, boy, what a bargain it is to get that vaccine. Well, a question then about the vaccine and the booster. Wednesday, I got an alert, 8 o'clock at night, I remember looking at the time, saying that the Pfizer booster for the fourth shot in Israel only proved to be effective for about two weeks. Now, could that have been a hoax, or is that real? No, well, yeah, it's not a hoax. Let me let me add further de- uh, description to that, though. That is the fourth dose data, and it's actually about four weeks out in terms of actually uh, the level of preventing infection is increased, meaning that you actually don't even you know get clinically ill. But yeah, after that, then you start to have a similar picture of clinical illness. The frequency with which, which you get sick if you are exposed to the virus is the same um, as if you only had three doses. But what is different and what we're following carefully is there still was evidence of ongoing protection against serious illness, hospitalizations and deaths. And again, if we can buy that in this pandemic, that is a tremendous, tremendous boost. And so uh, the Israeli data right now actually does support the importance of these fourth doses in the limited time that, that they were able to be followed against the, those outcomes. And, of course, that's I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. But then a question, Dr. Osterholm, if you originally got a Pfizer and now you're going to get the fourth, should you switch to the Moderna, which apparently lasts longer? Or what should people do? And can you switch safely? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I think at this point, it's uh, fair to say the data are unclear. We don't have really good data saying you get more protection if you did Pfizer first and Moderna, Moderna, Pfizer. Early on, Moderna looked to be uh, a bit better than Pfizer. But remember, two things. One is the dose of the uh, Moderna vaccine was higher. And it was given actually at four weeks after the first uh-huh. dose, unlike Pfizer, which was given at three weeks. And we know now that the longer you wait after that first dose to get the second dose, there is still some better improvement in how your immune system responds. So when it all equals out, I don't think the data are at all compelling to say, yes, screen, you know, go ahead and uh, you know, get Moderna if you've already had Pfizer. The Moderna doses now are half of the uh, level of virus vaccine that they were before uh, relative to the booster. So I, I think, you know, the mo- really important message here is get it, get it. That's what even important. if it's a full week window. Yep. 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 Get it. Yes. OK. And then what about home testing? Is that a well, good thing to do? Should we all be doing that if we're out and about? Yeah. Home testing is a good thing. Remember, it will not protect you from getting infected. But if you are infected and you can pick it up early, then you know to adjust your life so that you're not exposing others. And that's important. Now, the only challenge I have is that with some of these home tests, you don't pick up infection right away. Meaning you can go three, four, up to five days into your illness before the test turns positive, Mm -hmm. which unlike that with the PCR testing, the kind of testing that we do in the laboratory, that actually is much more sensitive and will pick up infections in the earliest days of their infection. And uh, another question that a listener had said that it was about platelets. She said that after her original vaccinations, that the doctor noticed that her platelet level, which had been in the high normal range, was now below normal, not dangerous, but below normal, and said that they have seen some activity with platelets after the vaccine. Now, is there any truth to that? We actually have seen some cases of thrombosis where basically it's called blood kind of clotting in your system uh, that the platelets surely are involved with. Um, this is a, a very, very low risk situation. Uh, it surely can be serious if it occurs. But in our business, we have to compare the risk of not being vaccinated and what happens to you if you get COVID, which, by the way, the incidence of thrombosis with COVID is actually much higher than the risk of getting it from the vaccine. So you're, you're, you're not just trading protection against COVID, right. but even thrombosis itself. So, yeah, that can possibly happen. Again, it's very low risk. But um, this is one of the trade-offs. You know, it's any kind of medication. Look at all the medications. If you take aspirin, there's a trade-off in terms of what the benefit is versus sometimes it can cause an adverse event. And so I can say with certainty that the vaccines that we have today save many, 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 many more lives than if they put someone at risk because of an adverse event. And when I had talked to you in the past, you had issued the warning about masks. Everyone was making these adorable little homemade masks, Uh and you pointed out, forget about it. You know, you've got to wear the really good mask if you want protection. Is that still, are masks still an effective way of trying to prevent the virus getting into your system? 
Well, as you just very correctly uh, stated, that has been my position from the early days of the pandemic, because early on we saw that, in fact, the transmission of this virus is occurring as an aerosol, these very, very tiny, fine particles that are in the air. You understand an aerosol, be in a room with somebody who's smoking. And if, can you, how can you smell that smoke through whatever you're wearing? Because smoke is an aerosol. If you're in a department store and you're three aisles away from the perfume section, but now you can smell it, that's an aerosol. And so the only way to protect yourself against aerosols, in this case, the virus in that aerosol, is to wear a high-quality respiratory protection piece like an N95 respirator. The other ones really become more window dressing, you know, and that's not it. And then on top of it, you know, one of the challenges we have is the fact that so many people who even do wear some kind of protection drone will wear it underneath their nose. It turns into yeah. a chin diaper, See it and that doesn't do any good at all. Well, COVID cases are climbing in our area. At that stage, if you had to, and you already said, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen with it, would you say it's okay if people continue to eat inside of restaurants when you know that they have to take off their masks at a certain point? What about yes. going into crowded theaters? Is this a good time to start getting life back again, or should we be more cautious? Well, First of all, as I stated earlier, the public is done with this pandemic. And so, you know, you have to uh, if you can't have an argument with an avalanche and expect to win. OK, it's going to win. So so what you have to do basically is understand. And so what can I do to have the most impact in protecting people's lives or health? And the most important thing we can do is say among those who have risk factors for severe disease, older underlying immune uh, deficiencies, cancers, diabetes, people like that, if they get infected, are much more likely to have severe illness. So I would tell them, you have to take more control of your life than ever. Getting fully vaccinated, wearing an N95 if you're in public places or public spaces, um, and, and that can go a long ways. Have a backup plan if you do get infected. How are you going to get the drugs that you need? We have some very effective drugs today. Paxlovid is one of them that if you get it within five days of your onset can do a great deal to reduce your likelihood of having serious illness. Well, don't wait to get COVID to know what you're going to do, who you're going to call, you know, your doctor. How can you get through? Can you get through? And so I think that's the one other thing you can do. And then finally, just know that as many people are seeing a lot of people with mild illness, they are. There's no doubt about it. And they say, ah, this is nothing. And the challenge with that is, is that not everyone is going to be mild. And so we don't want people to take a risk. That's why getting vaccinated, even if you get infected, is going to do so much to reduce your risk of having severe illness, hospitalizations or death. Right. So the fourth booster is something everyone should consider over a certain age. 50 years of age and older, I would surely encourage it for those who are immune compromised, underlying health conditions that put them at increased risk of severe disease, I would encourage them to get it too. You know, it's not a panacea, it's not perfect, it's not gonna prevent you necessarily down the road from getting infected, but we are looking carefully at just what can we do to reduce severe illness. That's a really big part of our efforts right now. I thank you so much for your time, Dr. Michael Osterholm, Director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy. We'll talk again soon, and I hope we've got better news. 
I do, too. Thanks a lot, Joan. And thanks for getting such important information out. Appreciate all your efforts to keep uh, that factual information coming. I'm grateful to you. We'll talk again. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're all listening to WABC. More to come. 